0: Okay, welcome to another episode of Meet, Act, and Part with your hosts. I'm Greg Knott.
1: Hi, I'm Darren Laners.
0: I'm Bill Hosler. We are glad to have you all with us here on Meet, Act, and Part. Our topic today is going to be the rough and perfect ashler. And we chose this topic because we used it as, at least locally, Darren and I, and a couple of the lodges, ran as a, uh, a lodge education piece. And... Really, we had some fascinating discussion, and uh it's a topic Darren's done some research on, so we're going to uh, let him lead today's topic, but all three of us are going to weigh in on both the rough and the perfect ashlar. Darren?
1: Okay, so to begin, uh let's talk about how you define what uh, rough ashlar is, uh either personally or masonically, or both. So, Greg, we'll start with you.
0: So to me the rough ashlar is uh the state I'm still in. That is a uh imperfect condition. Especially as you become a entered apprentice, you you come to the lodge as the rough ashlar. The rough ashlar is symbolic of that imperfect uh person and the goal to me in masonry is working towards that perfect ashlar. And each of the degrees you gain more working tools and a little bit more knowledge that help you on that progression towards becoming the, a more perfect dashler. Uh, Bill, how about you?
2: I think that it's I'm pretty much like what Greg said is you know you you're sort of like a, a rock that was just taken out of the quarry and um it's been you know given to the master workman who um tries to break the rough rough edges off tries to make it to the Builders uses and it's, you know, instead of using tools of iron, they're using the working tools of masonry.
1: Okay. Uh, I would say that my definition is similar to both of yours. The rough ashlar is basically, uh, any man in their imperfect state. Uh, all of us are essentially, I don't think any of us can claim that we are perfect masonically the lessons of masonry help to teach us to uh, as you said use the common gavel to get rid of those rough edges to hopefully end up as a perfect ashlar so that being said greg what would you what do you define the perfect ashlar as is it something that can be obtained or is it just an ideal that one strives for?
0: I think it's an ideal that one strives for. And each of us has most likely a different definition of what perfection is. Yet we strive for it because it allows us to grow individually. It helps us set goals to achieve things that otherwise may seem superfluous. I think in some ways it gives human beings a, a purpose to st- to move forward with in other words you know i would never expect to obtain perfection but as i work towards it i learn more along the journey and, and in many ways realize what a more of a rough ashlar i am yet i try to use those things as i move along in life to try to seek that perfect ashler in other words to improve myself daily through interactions at, at work with my family, with my friends, in the lodge, and other activities, all of those I think help accumulate, you become a better individual. And as you become a better individual, you may be one step closer towards that perfect action. Okay, Bill, what are your thoughts?
2: I used to think, I guess because, and I know not every jurisdiction has them, but almost every lodge room in the east in Indiana has two stones on on the third step of the east, right on so either side of the master. One is a rough piece of limestone and the other is one that's perfectly smooth. It's you know, basically like um almost picture like a cinder block. And for most of my time in masonry, I thought that was pretty much you were trying to strive to be this perfect ashlar that, you know, looks just like something that, you know, like this one squared stone, but then a few years ago, I was listening to the radio program, and the guy asked on the radio program if we are living stones or bricks, and to be honest, it kind of set me back because it you know obviously since is something you know my masonic brain kind of twigged, and his theory was is that you know um if you know if a perfect you know the perfect squared brick. It's something that's not, it's man-made from various materials, and it's perfect, and every one of them are, are identical. You know, they make a building strong, but they don't make, it takes all, there's really no uh, personality to it. You know, it's kind of, everything's just taken out of it. It's just all there utilitarian. And so I started to think about it. And then I went up, and I uh, went up, and I started reading, and a brother from the, from the medieval, well, I guess it would be medieval times, Christopher Wren, he was in charge of rebuilding London once after the Great Fire. And they asked him for a definition of a perpetrator. And his reply was, it's a stone, ready dressed for the, from the quarries for use in the walls. And he said basically that, um it just needs to be able to be, you know, just chipped away enough to where it would fit. It still has all its beauty, and it still has all you know, roughness on the outside, but it fits the needs of the builder, and I thought, you know, maybe there is something to that. God doesn't want us to all be exactly the same. If he did, he wouldn't have made us so diverse, and so maybe, you know, a perfect antler is one that perfectly fit into that house made of hands. It's his niche, you know, that is what makes it perfect for the builder. You know, that's just what I've kind of taken from it
1: okay uh I probably fall more towards greg uh idea. I don't know that the perfect Ashler is obtainable. I think it's an ideal that one strives for that one uses as a you know a goal. The idea of you know a perfect ashler i i connect uh to alchemy uh the idea that the alchemist was looking for uh something that uh they could extract from the Philosopher's Stone, which was called the Elixir of Life, and the Elixir of Life would grant them immortality. And my thought on the subject of the Perfect eschler is that, you know, the Perfect eschler is like that Philosopher's Stone, and if you are able to get yourself close to that ideal, the elixir of life or what would grant you immortality. It's not immortality in our corporeal life here. It's immortality in the lodge above. And, you know, if you live your life based upon Masonic principle, then you are more able to position yourself, if you will, for, you know, your entry into the lodge on high.
0: So, if you think about if the perfect Ashlar is made in the quarry, And we are all workmen in that quarry. It also tells me that you can't do this by yourself. In other words, you are maybe comparing with another workman in the quarry your work. And maybe someone in your mind has a a more perfect astronaut that they're working on. Well, the nice thing about working with others is you can't compare. You can learn from them. They can mentor you. So... Of course, freemasonry is built on allegorical stories. So when I think about those workmen in the quarry, I think even to both Bill and Darren's points, you're building that building and that wall, but at the same time, uh, as Darren says, you need that perfect ashlar to get to the lodge above. So maybe it's a combination of, of both things that you're doing at the same time. I mean, what do you think, Bill?
2: You know, it's very much, I think it is kind of a combination of what all of us think. Not one of us actually knows what's in the grand architect's mind when he designed us. But one of the things down here I've noticed since I moved to Oklahoma and Texas is there are a lot of buildings down here that you just don't see it back up north and they're, they're taking like old rocks and brick, they're not bricks, but old rocks and field stones and they're basically cemented together. And they form this beautiful set of buildings that, you know, the various different colors, the different shapes, different sizes. But the one neat thing is each one of them fit in a perfect way and are made to fit in a perfect way to make this building not only strong as one that's made out of man-made bricks, but are also, um, it's also beautiful just because it's all these different stones that are basically showing what they are. They're showing their size, their color, and it just makes a, it's almost like a tapestry or, you know, a, a mosaic. And it's just, I kind of, in my mind, I, it's hard for me sometimes to put out and spoken words, but that to me is kind of what I think it is. It's like one of these buildings that are made up with the various stones versus a brick building. That's just kind of what I picture in my mind is what the grand architect had in his mind. And so that's just kind of where I get that. I drove
0: by this cemetery south of here about 30 miles and around it, it has a stone wall. And Bill, I think it's kind of alludes to what you're talking about. Those field stones that were picked up one at a time, brought together and, and you look at this wall and it looks symmetrical. Yet when you examine the stones in each of it, they're all different sizes and shapes and, uh, and it's just, it's amazing to me how whoever that craftsman was, Brought all those stones together to form at least in from a visual aspect a, a nearly perfect wall, so Mike, let me throw out a question uh, something to think about. What's the lodge's responsibility do you think in helping one obtain that perfect ash? obviously, education uh, you were taught uh,
1: as fellow craft that we need to study the seven. Liberal arts and sciences, especially geometry. And, uh, I always take that we need to continue education, educating ourselves, not only in the liberal arts and sciences, but in the liberal arts and science of life. And, uh, you know, learning each life lesson and taking something away from it. Idea that, uh, the lodge doesn't need to help improve you. I think is is nonsense. And if you're just going to lodge for the the minutes, paying the bills, etc. Uh, etc., cetera, et cetera, then you know that's not you're not improving yourself. So I, I think you know not to toot my own horn or to our horn here in Illinois, but I want to say that the education program that's been put together by Grand Lodge is really been, you know, instrumental, at least here locally where I've implemented it and helping get lodges into having that discussion and into having uh education so that, you know, a man can go to lodge and engage in discussion and hopefully come away better than he came into the lodge rooms for that meeting so you know in essence i think education is what makes uh at least from a lodge perspective education is what helps each individual mason helps them you know put them on the path to making that rough ashlar into a more perfect one
2: I agree that I think that education is a major part of this, but I also think there's other things that are just equally as important. We can educate a brother as easily as just you know having a discussion, but if we don't back it up with our actions, it's kind of a moot point. We go up, you know, if you know we got to make sure if a brother doesn't show up for lodge after a couple like a month or two, call him, visit him, find out if everything is all right, if he needs help. If he's been sick, you know, go up and, you know, if his family is in dire strait, you can't really work on your Ashlar when you're desperate and you've got the wolf against the door. It's just pure survival. And so that's what Masonic Charity is for, is to help a brother and keep him on the straight square. And... I'd say fellowship is another part of it. If he's not there, you know, take him out, have a drink, um, befriend everybody, you know, make it a, you know, they call us this writing cement for, for a reason. You know, you go out, you're a society of friends and brothers. Treat them like that. Invite each other to a pool party or go out for a drink or, you know, have the kids all get together for a play date. But I think if you take all of these things and plus probably a couple of more, and besides just, you know, you just, it's, you know, going to the lodge itself will make you a better person no more than going to church will make you a better religious person. You need to have other things that Make it, um, that work with it. So it's just it kind of it's kind of a several different things. It's sort of like you know one-legged stool isn't going to stand. You have to have several to make it sturdy. That's just you know I think that's one of the places where we do fault. You know we just you know one guy wants to talk about education, another guy just wants minutes, and minute. another guy just wants to cook. Well, we need everybody to work together to make this a large experience, and that's what's going to help you with your Ashler is being together. And helping each other, coaching each other, and standing by their side when they need it.
0: Yeah. If you think about it in the in an educational sense, I think you're both correct. I think you need the education in the lodge so that you learn the principles of the fraternity and, and other things. But to also to complement, Bill, what you're saying is that's like the applied part. So you learn things in the lodge. And then you have an opportunity to apply them with your brothers or even out in the the, the general community at large. And to me, you need both because I I think you can easily spend all your time studying these things, but if you don't get out there and try to apply them and and put them to work, then you've only uh, achieved half the battle because if you don't use the knowledge to improve yourself, however it is you define that, uh, to me, you, you haven't You haven't completed your job. You know, it's not it's not enough just to read about it or hear about it. Take what you're learning and and apply it.
2: Absolutely. And I'm thinking I hate to keep using church as as an example. But if you're learning something in church and you just learn it and you don't put it in practice you know, in your everyday life people will call you a hypocrite and it's kind of you in know, the way we do this you know we tell a brother we're there for him in and thick and thin and if he needs us call us but you know if he can leave lodging we don't see him for 6 months and nobody even remembers you, he's not ever been there and so it's just kind of we have to you know if we want to help these brothers with their ashler and give them what they want we have to step up to the plate and use some of the things that we learn through education and apply it to our Daily lives and to help them.
1: I agree, Bill. I think uh, we Freemasons need to do a better job of being proactive, that that meaning that uh, you know, if there is a brother who has come to lodge and then all of a sudden isn't showing up, we need to reach out to them. And ask them, hey, what's going on? Maybe they've got, maybe they've had a change in their work schedule. Maybe their kids have uh, activities. Maybe you know, or maybe somebody offended them. We'll never know unless we we reach out and say, you know, hey, Bill, you're not showing up at lodge for a while. What's going on? You know, is there anything we can help you with? Exactly.
2: And you know, if you put your hand out to that brother to try to help him and to see what's kept him from lodge, I think maybe you know. I think in my own in my own way that when you do that, you're kind of trying to chip some of the imperfect um, imperf- um, superfluities from your Ashler as you're trying to help him. It's kind of a mutual aid society.
0: So let's let's wrap this episode up of the rough and perfect Ashler with a few comments. So to me, it's something we're striving for the perfect Ashler. Yet, I think each time you go to lodge, each time you, uh, help a brother, each time you do something in the community, you chipped away at your Ashler a little bit, so you're closer toward that perfection. Uh, so I think it's, it's a lifetime journey that all of us should engage in and not give up on. For me, it's, uh, it motivates me to try to improve myself, to learn new things, do new things, help people achieve new things, but yet I, the older I get, the farther I feel I am away from perfection. But that's okay, because to me, it's just all part of that journey, uh, and I'm sure enjoying it as I go. Yeah,
1: yeah uh, I, I agree completely. The, uh, y- you know, we are, none of us uh, here mortally are perfect. And, uh, you know, the argument could be made that there have only been in the history of, of the world only a few people that may have uh, approached even being perfect. So, you know, the idea is that uh, you do your best, you learn from your mistakes. When you're an infant and you're learning how to walk, You learn how to walk by falling down and then you get yourself back up. You walk a a few more steps and you're probably going to fall on your ass again. And then you pick yourself up and you do it again. And that's, you know, that basically is a metaphor for the rest of your life. You need to, you know, if you make a mistake or if you fall down, you need to make sure that you pull yourself back up and you, you keep on trucking. So, you know, in the same sense, when you are a Freemason and you are working, the rough ashler and trying to make it into a perfect one you have to realize that it's uh, a marathon not a sprint and that it's going to be something that you're going to have to do for the rest of your life and uh, you need to just make sure that you're 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 trying it you're doing it you're learning from your mistakes you're not letting life uh keep you down
2: as you guys have said uh this is not a mar- it's not a sprint it's a marathon and sort of like the old Hank Williams song entitled we'll never get out of this world alive we um we just have to continue to try our best like and just like Darren said just get up and pick yourself up and keep trying and just keep working at it And, you know, just use the tools of masonry that you've learned about in Lodge and from your brethren and from the Masonic education to continue to try to make yourself a better man, a better husband, a better citizen. And that's what they're there for. And if you see a brother who needs a helping hand, help him along the way. Maybe that will also help you build your life. Nothing helps another person as much as you helping yourself. Well,
0: that wraps up another episode of Meet Act, and Park. We uh we sure appreciate everybody tuning in. You might hear that engine roaring in the background. That's the tractor starting outside the the studio here. Cuz we are in the farm country of Illinois, but uh we appreciate everybody tuning in. This is a work in progress for us, so the podcast is the rough ashler and we're striving for perfection. And we're going to get a little better in our ep- next episode. So with that, again thank you for listening in. For another episode of Meet, Act, and Part.